Sergeant, make it spin. Spin? Shh, sir, it doesn't spin. What? It has to spin. It's round. But spinning is so much cooler than not spinning. I'm the general. I want it to spin. Now. Yes, sir. Hey, look at that. Hello, I'm Zach. And I'm David. And this is The Other Side of the Gate, a Walking Through the Stargate podcast. We are a semi-regular show where we talk... To be honest, this has been a more semi than a regular right yeah. now. But life happens. It's been like a year or five years, maybe. I think it's been ten. Easily ten years. At least. In any case, whatever it is that we are, we are that. And we talk about plot points of recent and maybe older episodes of Stargate SG-1. Whatever it is, how they've impacted or will impact the show moving forward. Uh, we call out various things, ideas, that types of stuff that you should be paying attention to as you're watching the show. Right. Zach and I have both watched the series multiple times. Uh, can be a bit trivia obsessive sometimes. And like noticing, you know, little fun details, knowing that, hey, that's going to be a thing one day. Remember that? Hey, hey, hey. And annoying the people who we might be watching with who really don't care about that. I'm also uh, sometimes... A David, bit of, everybody I do that with loves it. I know. They really, they're, 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 they're riveted by the words I say. That's why I watch Stargate at home by myself when no one else is here, so they don't have to listen to me going, Oh, that's Paul! And Paul's going to be a super bad guy, and then one day we're going to find out he's got clones everywhere. Hey. Anyway, I'm also a bit of a research nerd, and I'm happy to fall down internet holes chasing trivia. So, on the uh, original podcast, Walking Through the Stargate, Brett and I will review each episode in order. What are we on now? Uh, we just finished... You're about to come uh, up on the I... clip show. No, you got well, we got before. Metamorphosis yeah. and then the clip show. It's That's where we're coming up on. It's a good clip uh, show. Yeah, it is. Honestly, most of the clip shows in uh, Stargate SG-1 are pretty good. Yeah. Not all of them, but most of them. So, but in that, you know, since this is Brent's first time uh, through those episodes, we try not to spoil things. We try to, I try to censor what I say so that I don't uh, tip my hand as to what's all going to happen and how everything ties in with everything else. I'm trying to keep... Brent's experience and reactions pure as a first-time viewer. Good luck. I think we I'm trying. Sort of somewhat messed it up a couple of times. I don't know. But anyway, Brent's not here right now, as far as we know. So if you don't want to be spoiled, along with Brent, stop listening now. But please don't stop listening now because, you know, we want you to listen to this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So... For those of you who are listening to this when it first comes out, you already know this because you are Patreon supporters and all of that, and you have done all of the things, and it's awesome, and I say thank you very much. But if you have new ideas for this or other things that we can talk about, you can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is spelled exactly as it sounds, you can, of course, also go to Twitter at Stargate Walking. We've got Facebook, uh, Walking Through the Stargate Facebook. We've got a page. We've got a group there. Those are pretty awesome places. Uh, you can go to our website, WTTS.space. You can also go to WalkingThroughTheStargate.com. That works, too. Um, and that's that's what we got. Th those are our social medias. Um, join us. Talk to us. Chat with us. Say hello. Please you know. talk to us. Yeah, you know, we, we need friends. Yeah. 
It's kind of lonely yeah. here with me and my dogs and my cats. Um, That's not true. But, you know, please send us messages. We like responding yes. to messages. I like seeing people pop up on Facebook page, even with silly things like, hey, there's a proposed Lego set. I would love that Lego set. I know it will never happen, but I would love to have but, that Lego set because if you looked at my desk right now, I got a lot of Lego on my desk. Oh, yeah. I would I would appreciate that, too. Uh, David, how do, uh, how do people get in contact with you if they wanted to contact you? What's the best way with this? Well, my personal email address is... I'm not going to give you that one. <laughs> I didn't figure. Well, it's the same way. It's all the same information you just gave us there at walkingthroughthesargate at gmail.com and Facebook and Twitter and all that fun stuff. Yep. So, uh, David has graciously said, I will kind of moderate the Facebooks, which is great because I am acceptable at best. Yeah, I <laughs> I seem like I always have a device near me, so I always get some sort of notification when I see so-and-so has posted to walk into the Stargate. Oh, really? Cool. Yep, yep. And then I go and I hit the like button, and I'm like, okay, I did my social media You stuff. did your job. Congratulations. Yes. So, um, this, of course, is an, uh, a podcast that is produced for our Patreon supporters. And I, again, say thank you very much for supporting the podcast, uh, both the Walking Through Stargate and the Other Side of the Gate and Stargate Second Chances, all of this. Um, we wouldn't be here talking if you weren't there listening, and we appreciate that Indeed. very much. Uh, this will go up on the uh, Patreon feed pretty much right away as soon as David gets it mixed and ready to go. Uh, as for all of your friends who are unable to join us on the Patreon, don't worry. This will come up onto the main feed. Usually what we end up doing is we say, oh, we're going to be gone for a week or whatever it is. Uh, and we try to sneak in those Patreon episodes there to keep that content coming. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but that's what it is. Yeah, life gets in the way, and then you go, oh, shoot, it's been two months. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, well. That, You're uh, all, everyone listening is familiar with that, right? Right. But I promise all of the stuff that is here on Patreon will eventually get onto the main feed uh, because that's how we roll. Exactly. So with all those social contacts and all the other ways to get in touch with us, uh, Zach and I are always looking for new subjects to talk about. Um, we kind of pick these subjects together, or he pitches one to me, or I pitch one to him, and sometimes it comes up from a Facebook post. Sometimes it comes up with some throwaway line that uh, either Zach or Brent throw out on the regular podcast. Sometimes it's just, you know, random thoughts coming into my head, which are usually not good ideas. But we're always open to new ideas and new suggestions. And if there's anything interesting we can dig out of that, I'm happy to see what I can find out about it. And then we can write it into a show. So let us know if you got any ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you are an expert in a field and Star Trek, not Star Trek, Stargate uh, intersects with that field in some way, whatever that is, and you think that would be good, let us know and Maybe we can set up a time uh, to do an interview, kind of like what we did with Rowan. Was that just last one? Was that just uh, that the last was in May. Other... Maybe June. Was that the last other side of yeah, the gate? That, yeah, that was the last other side of the start. Okay, yes. That, that was, was way too long ago. Oh, goodness. I am oh, busy trying yeah. to track down an astrophysicist. Um, 
Evidently, they have jobs and don't necessarily always respond to email requests from some rando guy saying, hey, you want to be on our podcast? But I'm working <laughs> on it. Hey. I, I know how to write a nice, polite letter. I just don't necessarily get nice, polite responses or any responses. Yeah. But I'm trying. Yeah, I have a friend who's a, an astrophysicist, and I I mean, I haven't talked to him in 20 years. Um and I'm trying to get a hold of him, and I'm not having a whole lot of luck there. Yeah. But um, that would be something really awesome to talk to you. Yeah, most um, of these email addresses are, I get are .edus or um, some Cambridge college in the UK, so I imagine their inbox is just chock full of podcast response requests. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying. We've we've got a few ideas in in the queue as well, but this concept of talking to a black hole, <laughs> talking to talking edit, to edit, a black edit. hole, <laughs> this idea of talking to an astrophysicist about you know actual wormhole travel and black holes and time dilations is an interesting one and one that I really can't do any research on because I'm just a computer guy by trade and what do I know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, David, uh, in this episode, we are actually going to be talking about some of the ways that in Stargate we have had uh, major plot points that have had tonal shifts in the show, right? Right. So we're talking about, like, how has, uh, how has the show evolved over, over the years? So we're going to start with the movie and we'll work our way through, just kind of take some of those big points yeah. uh, about how things have gone up for the last 17 years, although... I believe we're going to be focusing mostly on SG-1. Yeah, we will um, drift off into a little bit of Atlantis, or at least show how the Stargate, how the um, plot shifts affected, affected Atlantis and universe. But it's kind of one idea, one of the things I like about the show is that it's not static. It's not the same story, the same concept. It's, oh, we're battling the ghoul again. Not putting down other shows that have kind of kept the same concept. I mean, I, I love Star Trek, and Next Generation was mostly the same show from start to finish. And that's fine. I like the show. Star Trek Deep Space Nine did have some plot shifts, and I love the show for that one. Voyager, pretty much the same show from start to finish. That's how do we get home. But Stargate, not to rag on Star Trek, because I love Star Trek, but Stargate, while it's still the same concept of going from planet to planet, and, you know, meeting new friends, friends and stuff like that, really did have some major directional shifts. And this idea, like some of the other ones, came from a little throwaway line. I think it was Brent who threw it out, saying, when we're looking at the events of Season 6, he goes, I think we're seeing a lot of changes right now, and that we're getting a lot of directional changes in the show right now. And me, as a listener, going, darn right there. Yep, yep. We're going to stick to SG-1 this time mainly because Atlantis and Universe were plot consistent, except for the basic concepts. We'll keep that. Uh, we'll look at some of the plot shifts that started in SG-1 that may have affected uh, Atlantis and Universe. But it, again, really what we want to talk about here is the big, well, that changes everything points of the show. And yeah. it may be a little minor, oh, that changes. And that's an interesting concept, and that's a new thing we got to deal with now. This is also the type of thing that I kind of bring up when I talk to people about Stargate who have only seen the movie, because, you know, that's what you do, right? Oh, yeah, I saw that movie, and you kind of talk to them, you know, talk their ear off about it, just randomly talk to people about Stargate. Um, but 
I talk about how the show grew and changed over time, and that was also kind of an idea for this thinking. Well, that's what the movie was, but that's what the show started with, but it grew so much for more beyond that. Okay, so let us dig into this. Right, so let's talk about plot shift number one. Uh, the kind of we are not alone. Not in the yep. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, we are not alone, but in the shift between the movie and the TV show. In the movie, as we all remember, because we've seen it many times, it's just us versus Ra on Abydos. They even said this is the planet on the furthest side of the universe. And it yeah. was just this one guy, Ra. And we defeated Ra. The end. There will never be anything else again. So, yeah, that was kind of like what it is. And that's when people have seen the movie, that's what they thought it was. But, of course, if you just look at the darn Stargate, it can't just be hit nine or seven symbols and it goes there. Well, what about all the other... I don't know, 39 symbols on the gate. Surely they have some meaning. Surely it's not just distractors on a quiz to pick the false answers. So of course yeah. there's a gate with a bunch of symbols and they surely it goes somewhere else. I mean, if this is one of those plot holes of the movie, if you want to think of it that way, it's like if this device went to only one place, then you would not need... 39 symbols. Right, you just need a button. You would need, frankly, you would need one button. You, yeah. You, you, you press that button, and it opens up, and it goes to the one place it goes. You don't need this whole seven chevron system to mark the the points in a three-dimensional space, and then your point of origin, if this is going to a singular location. Ex um, exactly. Now, I would say that in my dive into talks with the Dean Devlin and, and company, they actually did have a plan for other symbols. We'll get to that in a bit. Okay. But our big plot shift obviously starts with Children of the Gods. The gate goes other places! Whoa! And they actually made that a huge point when when they walked everybody into this large room with gate addresses all over it, and, and Daniel's like, uh, Jack... The gate goes other places. And then you have the cool pan-ins to people's faces, and they're like, what? <laughs> and beyond that, it's this is the one that I really like, not just that the gate goes other places. I mean, that's good. But Ra was just one person, and there's actually a whole Egyptian pantheon represented in the show. Mm -hmm. In the movie, it was Ra, and all the other aspects of the pantheon were just the Horus Guard and the Anubis Guard. They were just, you know, his servants and they kind of tweak that one as well but then you discover as daniel's looking at looking at what's happening in the show they go oh my gosh they're react they're reenacting the book of the dead that means xyz and oh my gosh there's so much to go on there so mm -hmm. that and what we find in the show are things like um humans from earth have been taken to many planets you see that in children of the gods because in that whole scene where they're picking new hosts, we're seeing, you know, giant caveman guy. We've got, um, uh, he's just the guy that sticks in my mind because he was the more interesting one. But you got to oh, realize yeah. that. Yep, yep. Yeah, people have come from many other places. 
what are some other things they sh- they shifted on from the we are not alone concept? So, I mean, and you get this right away in some of the early episodes of the first season. Uh, they explode uh, the the universe really quickly. Um, one, they they bring Abydos close to the close to Earth, right? This yeah. is, it's the closest planet in the system, not the furthest away you could possibly get. Um, That's an acceptable retcon for me. Uh, me too. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but then you get uh, more Gould named and talked about. You get the Knox showing up, um, who were actually we actually knew about the Knox before we knew about the Asgard. Yeah, the Knox barely um, play a role, but you know, oh, there's another real alien. I mean, of course the Gould were aliens, but they don't look alien. But then they got the Knox. Go, well, these guys are different. Yeah, and of course you get uh, the Torment of Tantalus. You get uh, Ernest's planet there, right? When you get that meeting place of the four places, that's early on, and already, boom, you've got the Nox and the Asgard and the Furlings and the Ancients. And I don't remember, were those four named specifically in that episode? I can't remember. Um, They were. Uh, I'd have to go back and see what name they gave the Ancients, but yeah, they did mention the Nox, the Furling, the yeah. Asgard, and the Ancients. Uh, so I mean, just right from the beginning, they're they're the writers, the developers are trying to uh, just throw everything out there and blow it up to as big as it can be, so that we can have all sorts of places that we can go. Right. Uh, we meet the Tolans, so now we have other humans that are even more advanced than we are. Um, you know, and then they introduce Gulwuld, who aren't just Egyptian gods, but but. Uh, uh, Minoan gods and and uh, Greek gods, Roman gods as well. Uh, in that first th- first season, they're just exploding this out to to every element really you could imagine, um, in an attempt to just kind of uh, really expand the the pool that they're going to play in. Right, and that's what we had expect from world building. You can't just have you know it's one bad guy on one planet because that's a problem. Well, as we saw in the movie easily resolved or eventually resolved um how i've often explained it to people who actually show interest after i start talk, talking to them about stargate which is not that many people in <laughs> random conversations people like my wife um i usually explain is that it's not just raw and one planet but many planets and whole pantheons represented in the story enemies and allies because if you think of it even the asgard represent an ancient earth pantheon. Yeah, so, that's true. So yeah. there's a lot more going on than just what people have happen to see in the 1994 movie. Now I did do a little look around and there were actually plans for a Stargate sequel or sequels to the movie, not the show, but the, but the movie. Have you read anything about that? I've heard about them and, um, and I knew, and I mean, recently we've heard uh, rumblings about the reset of Stargate, uh, and will Dean Devlin take control of that and reboot the movies and do his vision that he had? All this has been talked about. I personally haven't done a lot of digging into what these ideas were, so I'm interested. What do you have for me? Well, he had planned for two sequels because every filmmaker, I guess, wants to make a trilogy. What's um, better than a duology? A trilogy. It's yes, just it's absolutely. just three. It's necessary. Yep. So in sequel one, his plan was they were gonna go to a different planet. Uh they're gonna use an eighth chevron or maybe a different seventh chevron, which still doesn't quite work with, you know, 
39 chevrons, but, you know, the 8th chevron would take us to another planet, and they were going to find a Mayan pantheon. Because, as he said, what other culture in our world has pyramids? The Mayans! I don't know how accurate that is, but, you know, okay. Actually, it is. It is pretty accurate. The Mayans and Mesoamerican cultures actually have some of the largest pyramids on the planet. Right, but um, he was just kind of using a generic Mayans rather than, you know, Mayans and Incans, Incas and Aztecs and all the other stuff. But, yeah. Well, it, I'm not saying he was going to be historically accurate to who these exactly. were. But in the history, the Mayans do actually have significant pyramid structures. I completely agree with you on that one. But, yeah, we'll just say, yeah, take the Mesoamerican cultures and they had pyramids. Pyramids must obviously be important, well, as, as Daniel Jackson said, because that's where the alien craft landed. But he wanted to expand on that. And then in his sequel number two, and this one was where he would have lost me completely, um, it was going to tie into Earth Mysteries. As he said, he was going to try to use every uh, cryptozoid and bring that into it. So it was going to be Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and Yetis and Skunk Apes and whatever, all tying into the bigger Stargate picture. And I would have accepted... Oh. Mayans, because that would be interesting. But this one is like, what? Okay. <laughs> David, I hear things like this, and and I am thankful that in the universe in which I live, those did not come to fruition. <laughs> I am quite happy with that as well, because I, I saw that interview. I was like, dude, what are you smoking? Or what were you smoking uh, back then? Because that... I, okay, whatever. But it didn't happen. Uh, there were some books that did follow the movies. Um, the author Bill McKay, in working with contributions from Dean Dean Devlin and others, did come up with a storyline which sort of didn't quite, but almost followed his path. Um, I think Hathor, not the Hathor we know and love, but Hathor. From the books became the primary antagonist. There was even a Mayan planet. There were five novels that followed that. I have not read them. I've read the summaries and went, okay. I could even see them possibly adapted at the time into SG-1 stories. But they would have, again, taken a very different path for the story. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. what happened with the show, and you've probably heard this, is MGM called up Dean Devlin and said, hey, we want to make your movie into a TV show. And he went, okay, I was going to make sequels, but uh, maybe a TV show might work. And he said, I have a few ideas. And they said, no, no, that, that's fine. You know, it's MGM. We own the rights. <laughs> so um, here's some money. Go away. And yep. <laughs> from what I read and saw in his interviews, uh, he was a little bit hostile to the show. Yeah, uh, he never I've, watched I've it. I've seen that. I've read that. Yeah, yeah. But his quote was, "Somebody else raised my children, and they didn't do what I wanted." But he did come around eventually. Still without watching it because I think he went and said, "Well, shoot, they got seventeen seasons of television out of my one movie. They must have been doing something right." Yeah, yep. And he probably still got residuals from it because there's still that created by credit he got in it so you know maybe the money kept flowing but as for a movie reboot based off the original movie as far as i know that's not going to happen 
I, I remember hearing the same storylines, and we we're all going, "No, no, don't go back to that. You can't jettison all that history." I am officially on record as saying, um, if it's new Stargate, I will probably watch it. But what I want is to experience uh, a continuation of the television universe uh, and what's been going on now. When, when did the universe end? That was... A while ago. I can't I remember. Know, yeah. Eight years ago-ish. Um, but what's happened to the universe in that eight-year period or whatever it's been, what's happening in the world, and, and what's new, what's, what's coming up. Right. Uh, that's what I want to see. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as I know, and you've probably, and our listeners have probably read the same thing, Bob Wright, is that the guy's name? Bob Wright. Uh, yeah. Brad. Brad Wright. Brad Wright. Thank you. Sorry, sorry Brad. Uh, Brad Wright has said he does plan on continuing the show provided he gets someone to agree to let him continue the show or con- continue show storylines. And yeah. we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. So that's our first big shift that, you know, we built the foundations of the universe of Stargate to take it from just one bad guy and one planet to a whole lot more. And that was just in the first season that they expanded on all that. Yep. But that's really where our first shift happened. Now, our second one, we think about it is, well, it starts with that, well, it's just Stargate Command versus the vast go old empire. And our second shift is, you know, we found some allies that we're not the only ones out there fighting the good fight. So who would you say our allies as they were introduced were? So um, we do just meet various people on various planets. Um, the the people from the Land of Light, right. uh, those Minoans. Now, they are certainly allies and friends. Uh, they are referenced a few times. The Tolan are invited to go live there. Uh, when they come to join us. Um, so that's one element of it. But that's also not a, an ally that's really going to help you with the problem of the Gua'uld because they don't have the technology, they don't have the experience, they don't have pretty much anything. Right. Um, and there are a lot of planets like that. But we do meet the Asgard. They keep looking for the Asgard. Uh, and that was Daniel looking through, hey, uh... Uh, the 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 Gua'uld used the Egyptian pantheon. So what if I look at other pantheons that had more positive deities, and and maybe they'll be our friends, like like the Asgard. And there hey, they are. Look, there they are. Boom. Um. So we meet the Asgard. That's a slow burn. It takes a while yeah. for them to really develop into that. Um. But that's part of it. Um. Of course, we meet the Tolans. I mentioned them. Uh, these are kind of a tenuous ally because they're way more advanced than us, but they also just don't interact with the Gua'uld, which, when we first meet them, you know, as, as Earthlings, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Well, that'd be cool. Um, it, it's I'd kind like of, some of it, that. <laughs> it's kind of implied that they can hold their own against the Gua'uld. They yep. kind of stay on their own planet. They travel when necessary, but going up against them, they go, they're not really a, a concern. We leave them alone. And they as leave the us series alone. progresses, we see precisely that happening. Right, um, and then that until not it happens. stops. Yeah, until it doesn't. <laughs> we have the Tokra, um, the yes. anti-gold, and then well, we yeah. <laughs> well, 
Sort of. I was just yeah. thinking. Uh, no, I actually, I was actually talking. I was like, I, I actually, I like that the anti Guo Wuld because they are Guo Wuld. Yeah. Um, uh, they were introduced, I believe, in season two, um, and we actually got a lot of of great storylines in this series out of the Tokra. Yeah. Um, uh, so that is uh, uh, becomes a very strong ally and a good ally once it develops. Right. I, I got thoughts about the Tok'ra, but for the most part, they're positive. And then, obviously, as we mentioned a minute ago, we have the concept of the fifth race, that it's our destiny to take a leading role in the fight, as it were. So here's my question on that, right? We, we learned that there were four great races, and we had the possibility of being the fifth race right. uh, from the Asgard. The Asgard right. tell us this. Now, we also know that the Asgard are very long-lived, mostly, uh, they just get new clone bodies and they keep going. But um, Thor has been around for thousands and thousands of years in some capacity. And one can safely assume, I think, that that was true for a goodly large chunk of the Asgard as a whole. Right. So this implies that the Asgard, since they were in an alliance with the uh, ancients back in the day, the Alterans. Uh, is that right? Alterans? Is that the right name? Um, yeah, more or less. Right, okay. Um, and we know that the ancients looked like humans back at the time. So how much of this fifth race is there like, you look exactly like these other people over here? I think there's a lot of it. How much of it is something different? I think there's quite a bit of it. Of course, the Asgard have been to other planets where uh, humans from Earth have been seeded. Because, if you use a Star Trek term, um, so they, yeah, they remembered what the ancients looked like, but I think all the other Earth civiliz or Earth descended civilizations, you know, people who were taken and put over there, they go, yeah, those guys look like them. I, they're still, they're not very advanced at all. Um, I wonder yeah. if they did actually know where the ancients came from. Did they know they came oh. from this planet Earth? Or is it like the Asgard just going, yeah, we know your history. We're not going to tell you about it. Well, I mean, we do. It is established that the Asgard visit Earth and keep tabs on Earth and have for the last many thousands of years. Right. Um, so one could safely assume that they do know that this is where the Alterans set up shop in this galaxy so to speak um and i think and now as i kind of process this uh in fifth race perhaps what's happening is they're all like well we've been paying attention to these humans who are kind of offshoots of the ancients but they're not quite the ancients and all of a sudden they get jack o'neill and all of this and they're like whoa well m maybe Maybe they're made a huge step towards where the ancients were. Maybe they're not just schlebs out there, you know, right. with nothing to do. You are on your way so. to becoming the fifth race. Ooh. Of course, if they're the same race exciting. as the, if they're the same race as the ancients, they're like four point one. But I guess they got to consider the ancients a separate. I wonder if they know about ascension. I don't know. And oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, they, I don't know. Well, yeah. Maybe they don't know everything. I 
I would lean to they kind of know where the ancients came from and know that we are their descendants or whatever related to them as well. So treat them as separate because we're obviously not as advanced. But it still goes back to what we're talking about is that, yeah, it's not just us. There's actually other people out there either fighting or resisting or conspiring against the goal. Right. That we're not alone in the fight. And then and, there's... And we Go ahead. I was just going to say that there are a lot of races in this process that kind of get thrown up against the wall, but they never quite stick. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that that water alien from Fire and Water who was what looking for Omaroka or whatever. Yeah. You know, um, you know that was clearly a an alien race that could have become something more. It just didn't. He's actually uh, been on you, Earth, too. Yeah. Yeah, he he actually knows cuneiform. Yeah, uh, and it, and dear dear Doctor Jackson, it's cuneiform, not cuneiform. Just you Close would know enough. this that, that just that just that just <laughs> uh, it just every time I hear it, I'm like yeah, and 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 I get it, I get it, but still, let it go. Um, of course, you've got um, uh, the bounty hunter Eris Bach. Yeah, that was his name. He's uh, kind he of shows, human. He's different in that they can't be taken as hosts, so we got to find some alien offshoot, I guess, in there. But yeah, that was another. He's sort of working with, working against, but he's aware of the gold and he's part of a bigger group. Um, we got the spirits. Mm. Yep. And th- um, and they just kind of leave us alone. Yeah. They're like, we're just gonna be over here. Um. Yeah. And then the furlings were just a running joke throughout the show, sort of, kind of. So I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. That, um, when, um, what was the last episode? I, I don't recall. It, it was that one. with Mayborn yes. and, and O'Neill. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the planet. Yeah, it was uh, a furling planet. It was a furling base. I had forgotten that that was a furling base until I had rewatched that. Uh-huh. And I contend, I know that in the 200th episode, they do show a couple of little furballs in, in one part of there and say, those are the furlings. I contend that that's not actually the furlings, that that was just somebody, you know, throwing something in there. I, and we still never really get an idea of who the furlings really are. I, I agree with you. I think that was just thrown away as a joke, although Jack kind of did describe the furlings in his mind. as a little furry guys, right? Well, yeah, but that's Jack looking at the word furling yeah, I, I and saying yeah. clearly. <laughs> yeah, and then we got so. all the other human offshoots that we occasionally meet. But again, the basic idea is there's a galaxy full of enemies and allies that we got to yeah. work with. And the, you know, building allies, this just goes to the basic universe building. First, we got to expand on the enemies. Now we expand on the allies. Yeah, one of the things that I really appreciate about uh, SG One is that in later seasons, um, we gain new, truly human uh, allies and such, um, or at least friends, people that we can interact with. Um, we get the the space race people uh, that we meet on a previous planet, and then they have a, a related to another alien species that live on their same planet and all of that stuff. And right. I can't remember their names. It's been too long. Um, so this this idea of adding new people uh, who are friend 
uh, and faux is certainly something that begins here, but then it continues. And this is one of the things that I really appreciate about SG one. Right. So, so what's our third shift? Our third shift. Let's. Um, this is kind of the idea of the humans are more than we than they appear. That we've got the concept of the ancients and ascension. That originally we just think, well, humans, they came from Earth. Okay, they've been taken by the gold and seeded on other planets, but no, they were, they came from Earth. Uh, we live, we die, we make good hosts. That's what humans do, but we're now advanced enough to start fighting back against there. But that's not quite true. Now, is it? When we get the concepts of the ancients and ascension introduced. Now, like you said, this is a slow burn because when they first introduced the concept of Omidasala and was she even called an ancient in the first episode? I don't recall. No, no. But we don't realize that she is an ancient until much later. Much later. Right. But we got to play kind of the uh, we know and we can you know, retcon back there. But Omidasala essentially, I think, is Daniel Jackson translated Mother Nature. That if we look at how everything got built, the ancients are us or rather we we oh how do you say this i've lost in the words on there uh, the ancients are what we were or i they eventually kind of say that humans are the second evolution of life or sentient life on the planet but if you further expand on it it was because of the ancients coming back to earth after they left earth and then some of them ascending some of them staying there and then the ancients were us right. and that yep. we are related to them and anything the ancients do, we could probably do as well. And they expand so on the, go ahead. I was just thinking this, for me, uh, this ancient storyline and Ascension really hits one of the, the first, uh, for me, the really big tonal shift of the show. Um, I mean, we have these other things that are happening, and certainly there's focus on this, there's focus on that, and that changes how they do things. But here, when when we learn that we are not the first evolution of this form on this planet, and that there's something else, the whole series begins to shift, and the Gua'uld are certainly the bad guys, but there's something else going on. There's something more happening in the universe um, and this is just kind of, and this happens right right in the sixth season where we're at. Yeah. Um, uh, this is where things really begin to shift, and um, the 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 breadth that was out there really begins to develop depth um, in the storyline, and and it really starts to just uh, begin to change things. True. Uh, I would say it actually begins in the fifth season. You know, when Daniel dies and ascends. It's one of those, well, he's human, and he's now like them. And we've seen some other Ascension bits on there. But yeah, it's the end of the th fifth season, but we kind of build on that. But I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you convinced me. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good Yay! With that. <laughs> uh, but as we've seen, you know, Ascension leads to the Ancients. Ancients and Ascension leads to Anubis. Anubis eventually, or Anubis and Ascension, leads us to the Ori. The Ori mm -hmm. being the evil version of the ancients, 
who had gone to another galaxy to do their thing, and then they find our galaxy empty and said, well, let's come back here and do stuff. But it's a huge shift that kind of starts off small of, yeah, we've got this Omada Sala, and she's this mystical energy form, and she needs a gate to travel from planet to planet. Not really. Um, to this whole other thing that the humans are more than we meet. But another interesting bit to point out is that not all humans are descended from the ancients because they do have this concept of the ancient gene that only that's some true. people are capable of how do they, um, mentally interfacing because that's how a lot of the ancient equipment works as we see in Atlantis and uh, upcoming at the end of this season when we get to Lost City that not everyone can interact with the equipment. Only people with the ancient gene can do it. So there's right. actually almost like two species of humans not quite living on Earth, that they intermingled, well, and some of I us mean, have I mean, one it. could easily um, understand that to be... I mean, when you look at human civilization on this Earth, uh, it wasn't a linear thing. Uh, it was just giant tree, and we had Homo erectus right. and Homo sapiens and, and Homo... Uh, and, and I don't know right. all of the, well, you know, I well, can't, I'm, my brother's yelling at me because he could know all this stuff. Oh, it's like what uh, some of the anthropologists say about the Neanderthals is that they were not, they didn't die out. They were bred out of existence mm -hmm, that they mm -hmm. intermingled with Homo sapiens and then they diminished and the other ones grow. It's like there's people with Neanderthal DNA. Okay. There's yeah. people with ancient DNA. Yep. In fact, in fact, uh, uh, here's a little interesting little tidbit uh, on that. Uh, I was watching a TV show. Um, it's still on the air, but this episode was several years ago, and they were actually looking at human evolution, human DNA, and all of that stuff. And the basic concept is that uh, uh, the Neanderthals were uh, focused uh, creatures that 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 they. They had a singular diet. They had a singular uh, environment where they thrived, whereas the Homo sapiens had were able to diversify and uh, be able to be in all sorts of different climates far better than the Neanderthals. And so when things changed, uh, the sapiens were able to uh, adapt and maintain, and the, the Neanderthals uh, tended to die out at that point. In time. Right. And so there you go. Not to plug another podcast, but I listen to several podcasts. There's one I like called Tides of History that dealt with subjects like this. They had a whole series on what happened to the Neanderthals, what happened, how did... It's that whole storyline, as you said. It's mm. quite interesting. That's where you know I get some of my information from, but they did that a while ago. It's a cool story. Tides so of History from Tides Wondering. I might have to go look that up because that sounds exactly the type of thing I would enjoy. A lot of cool stuff on that one, but we don't need to plug them much more than that. Well, uh, yeah, but all of that storyline of the ancient ascensions, uh, again, ultimately leads us to Atlantis and everything that happened there because Atlantis, well, we find the ancients again, but kind of a different mm -hmm. version of the ancients, sort of, kind of. But if we think of the ancients as ancient humans, we got humans in other galaxies. And not yeah. just ones that have been transported there, but ones that went there themselves. And the whole ancient storyline, either in fan fiction and RPG fiction, a storyline is really very 
interesting about the different factions of the ancients, the ones that left, the ones that went to the galaxy, the the war between the Wraith and the Ancients and how that led them back to our galaxy. A lot of really interesting storylines coming from this basic concept of ascension to start with and then the yeah. slow reveal of, yeah, it's because, you know, we grew up on Earth and by the way, you're our children. So. And, you know, here again, um, Anubis is probably the singular Gua-Wuld bad guy uh, who kind of encapsulates that yeah and yet anubis is some sort of half ascended creature you know he he was ascended and they tried to kick him out but it didn't quite work all the way and so he's kind of in between um and you know you wouldn't get that without this right this shift of what the the ancients and ascension and all of this stuff is is about yeah we get that big reveal coming up at the beginning of season six no, actually, it's the end of se- uh, the end of season six. Sorry, no, where the confrontation between Daniel and Anubis, where Anubis says, "No, I ascended. They kicked me out, but I'm too powerful, and I I'm not completely descended." And I paraphrase quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a big reveal and the big fight between Daniel. The big fight, the fight that lasts about ten seconds between Anubis and Daniel, that'll feature in the opening credits for season seven, eight, nine, and so on. But yeah, yeah, that big reveal is really one of those, oh my gosh, moments. Yep. Yep. All right. Shall we shift over to our fourth tonal shift here? Spaceships. Spaceships. Um, Woo. Yeah. As we know, previously the way we got from planet to planet was, well, we punched some symbols into this computer. The gate spins. It goes whoosh, and we walk through it, and then occasionally we talk to the Tokers, say, hey, can we borrow a, insert ship name here? And sometimes right. we have a mothership, sometimes we have a smaller ship, then it gets blowed up for some reason, but, you know, that's how we get around. Until, right. until well, we get... Well, before sp- that, though, I mean, I just want to point out here that even at the very end of Season 1, you know, Braytac is like, well, your ships will be able to come and do some big damage against that. Surely you have ships. Uh, and Daniel's like, we oh. have a shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not fitting through the Stargate. No, it's not. Um, so, so, yeah, it, the concept of spaceships for us really opens up the storyline. It takes us from just a straight gate travel and hitching a ride with other ones too you know what um i think we we got this now we can handle this i mean it takes a while we got the uh first human death glider which was well that failed that failed i mean it worked we just didn't check all the electronics look for trojan horses or anything like that you know oops sorry we almost killed you sorry um but building up to you know starting with prometheus and well, then, you got to start actually back with redemption when when we have the X three hundred two. True, true. We got uh, our, our first ship. Yeah, you, know, you got to get that in there. Yeah, it doesn't have. Uh, any and then Prometheus, Trojan. and then Prometheus, and then the Daedalus, and then the Odyssey, and no, is the Odyssey the universe ship? The Odyssey is the universe ship. Yeah, okay. I think. Um, yeah, and then we got the Hammond. But basically, we got all our big starships. Um, starting from you know we can reverse engineer stuff because we're clever. To, hey, we can build our own stuff 
And then, well, the big fight at the end of season seven, which I'm looking forward to, um, the the yes. fight between uh, Anubis and the Earth forces, where, well, with a little help from some alien technology, uh, we prove we can, you know, hold our own in a spaceship fight with yeah. a l- little help from alien technology. Battle probably wouldn't have gone as well if we didn't have the little yellow thingies going on there. But well, that's yeah, true. But this whole idea of spaceships, um, it ultimately leads to the downfall of the Gold Empire. Everything going from there, it's not just them coming to us. It's like we can come to you, and now with force. It's not just sending some guys through a gate and bang, 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 shoot, shoot, shoot. It's you know, it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. So this is like. And, and here's here's one of the 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 weaknesses of the Gu'awuld, uh, not in terms of story, but in terms of their species, is that they have been dominant for so long that, frankly, they've atrophied uh, right. at this point. And so when the uh, humans from Earth begin to take the fight to them, and the Gu'awuld aren't able to just quickly wipe them out, like at the beginning of Season 1, for instance... Uh, then all of a sudden, when we get these ships, and we st- now are able to, we're not uh, limited to gate travel, but we can actually move our ships, and we get some help from the the uh, Asgard with our hyperdrive, so that we actually have hyperdrive that work well, uh, and all of that stuff. Now, all of a sudden, um, we become the first humans to to engage with the Gu'awuld, in a manner that is much more equal footing. Right. And that's a huge thing. Yeah, and this idea of the gold kind of being stagnant because they reached the top of the food chain, and the Asgard just kind of placated them and said, we'll reach our accord. But it's exactly that. They kind of stagnated. Of course, they are much more advanced than us in terms of technology. But then Anubis comes along, and he's more advanced than them. He is a gold, but he's more than that. And he's pretty easily able to come in and take over. Yeah. Now, there is a big... And he adds his own uh, ancient technology right. that he has and advancements. Uh, and then gets that super-duper huge mothership that comes out there right. in... Uh, when is that? Is that the season? Is that Lost City? Um well, no, that super duper show no. uh, is introduced at the beginning of season seven. Well, okay, at the end of season six as well. Um, that's his first. Oh, one. that's right. Yep. Okay. That's. Um, I just watched those episodes. Now I can't even remember. I I will say that uh, the combined forces of Ball were able to take that ship out because of some internal sabotage and our fight on there. We basically did a. A trench run on them, took out their primary weapon, knocked down the shields, and the Ball's forces were able to come in and eliminate that ship. But right. that was with our help. Yeah. And yeah. It, I don't know that our spaceships were involved in that, but it was still this concept of spaceships fighting spaceships, more advanced, who's more advanced, what can we do to take them out, which also goes to... You know, Spaceships are cool. I like spaceships. They solve some plot points. They ramp us up in our capability of holding our own. Uh, But in the concept of Stargate, 
how necessary are they? I mean, so here's how I would answer that. So like, once we get space travel, um, we become players on the galactic uh, board. Uh, up until that point, while we are definitely a thorn in the side, while we are definitely something that the other players need to pay attention to, you know, they, they, they can't ignore us, but we are limited in what we can do. As soon as we get space travel in that more conventional way of starships and all of that stuff, um, all of a sudden then, uh, we become, um an actual force that needs to be reckoned with, not just something that they need to uh, kind of reckon, you know. So it's not like before we were, you know, a bunch of bees towards the bear. Yeah. And when we get the spaceship, we become another bear. Um, so one, we can become an annoyance uh, and, you know, we can do some major damage and we can do some harm and, and you know, affect them. But... It's not until we get the spaceships that we actually get to a point where we can begin to really uh, threaten the the actual existence of the Gua'uld and their position at the top of the galactic food chain. Exactly. Now, one sometimes complaint is that we've kind of advanced too quickly. That technology doesn't move that way. That you just don't go from never... You know, a space shuttle to a space battleship in six years. But uh, there was this meme floating around on the internet showing a picture of the uh, Wright brothers and then Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. And said, there were 60 years between that. We advanced yeah. pretty quickly. And once we yeah. get the tech and once we get people working on it, I can completely accept that once we find out how to do it, we're going to do it. Once you find out how to build a spaceship, I mean, we probably already know how to do it. We just didn't know what to do with it. But it's like, well, we right. just kind of put all this together. I mean, we built stuff like that before. We'll just build a battleship, but it's going to be in space with space weapons. Once we get that idea and the understanding of how to do it, yeah, we advance from the Prometheus to the Daedalus to all the other ships pretty quickly. We ramp up our production pretty quickly and get advanced to we've got, you know, you know, a fleet of X-302s along with the Prometheus at the end of Season 7 yeah. fighting up against uh, Anubis. So, yeah, we I advanced pretty quickly. That it it is cool. Um, it is a quick advancement. Uh, in terms of the tech, I, I don't... I, I think... I, I agree with you. It, it makes... Uh, it is feasible that we could move as quickly as we did in terms of the tech. Um, where I begin to think that the show starts to break down a little bit is um, with the number of ships yeah. that happens. Um, you know, it takes years and years to build an aircraft carrier. They don't just pop up in six months. That is true. Um, and it and takes a lot of money too. It takes a lot of money. Um, and early on, we'll get to that here, but early on, the money is coming almost exclusively from the United States. Um, which I guess that would explain why we spend as many billions of dollars every year 
uh, on our military because clearly all of this is a cover story for the actual Stargate that exists yeah. in Cheyenne Mountain. But we, I guess we just kind of got to hand wave that stuff away going, yeah, um, we've got a bucket of money and we got a printing press. It's fine. We'll, it, it's fine. Just move on. Move on. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I will say that when I first watched Lost City, uh, when it first came out, and you see that epic battle um, at Antarctica, and you see uh, uh, Hammond in the Prometheus, and he's coming in there, and then all of a sudden you just see this giant wave of F-302s flying in there. You're like, that's cool yes that was like oh wow yeah yeah so so yeah spaceships cool very important to us and they've uh done a lot for us here yeah so let's talk another one here we've got a couple more shifts um our enemies it was just the gold uh not really they're the big bad guy but they're not the only thing we have to worry about because there are more bad guys than we thought. So who would you say our second most fought bad guy is? Uh, well, the replicators are clearly the the second big bad guy. Yeah. Um, now talk about the, a slow burn. The, well, yeah. These are the, the those creatures that were making it tough for the Asgard which is impressive because the Asgard could, if they wanted, kick the Gwulds' butt. Yeah. Um, and all of this stuff. And we get the replicators, and we get the replicators, and we get more replicators, and and then they turn into humans. Um, yeah. When they started they, out, they were for us an annoyance, and me as a viewer is looking at why are these a problem for the Asgard? We shot them, and they blowed up, and we blew up a ship. It was fine. It's because they survive. If one survives. It'll adapt and build on. They never really seemed to be a huge threat. They were a problem, and we didn't like fighting them. It's like, oh, geez, there's some of those guys. But it always seemed like we took them out fairly easily until we got to, uh, we saw what they did to the Asgard homeworld, which was basically all replicators. Right. And even then, that was just, you know, we plugged the hole. It's like, okay, we fixed that problem. We're pretty good at fighting or going up against replicators. But yeah, it's a real slow burn to build up the replicators as a legit threat to us. To the Asgard, they're they're kind of going, no, no, these guys are really bad. Trust us. And eventually, and of we, course, we will see. Here's all that. the issue: is yeah. that when when we when we meet the replicators, we are meeting while well, there's a lot a relatively compact group, right? So if I look around and I see all the replicators, oh my goodness, there's a lot of replicators and they're coming at me, but these are all the replicators that are it. So if I get rid of all of these, then we're fine. Right. You know, but, if we can get rid of all of the replicators on that sub, we'll be fine. Um, but it's when you are in a place where you can't gather all of the replicators to one spot, when they are so spread out, that's when they become a very serious problem. Yeah, if we ever had a legit, quote, invasion of the replicators on Earth, I don't think we'd stand a chance. Mm-mm, mm Because you get them in more uh, than one place at a time, sure, we got weapons that blow them up, but if we get them, you know, land in major cities... Heck, don't land in major cities. Land in the middle of nowhere. And next yeah. thing you know, you've got a replicator base. Go land, oh, somewhere in the Midwest on some farm... 
and spread out from there. So, yeah, they could be yeah. a threat. It's just in the show so far, we haven't seen them. But, yeah, they are the other looming bad guy. It's a slow burn, but it is still the idea that it's not just the Goa'uld. Of course, we've also had a couple minor annoyance bad guys here and there. Right. And then. You've got the uh, Shen in the Tok'ra are sometimes a frustration? Yeah. I, I said I have thoughts on the Tok'ra. Yeah, they are our allies, but they're, we know they are Goa'uld. They're just not Goa'uld with Megamal... Oh, there's that word again. Megamaniacal. Meg- yeah, that word there. They're just not that way. But I often, as one does, wonder if they were to eliminate the Goa'uld, what would the Tok'ra do? Hmm... Would they just be happy to sit there and go, okay, we're good? Or would that gene, that tendency take over and say, uh, we we need to rebuild our ranks? What would they, I, I don't know what they would do. I, that's why I go, I think of them as the not evil go old, but they are go old. And I think things being a little bit different they could be an enemy at some point. They're not. Doesn't happen. It's all good. And then yeah, we it. never run into Tokra as bad guys. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. Um, the Jaffa um, become a a political force that we have to reckon with. Right. Um, which they aren't necessarily bad guys per se, but. But they're not um, strictly allies towards the end either. They're like, yeah, we want to do our own thing, and thank you for your help. We're good. Thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. Most yeah. of them. And, you know, frankly, the the now we're getting into seasons 9 and 10, but the, the Jaffa nation um, kind of does to Earth what Earth has been doing to the Tok'ra. Uh, the Toker's like, you shouldn't do that. You're too young. It's not okay to just take a Gua'uld mothership and slap a USAF sticker on it and call it yours. And we're like, yeah, but we're going to do that anyway. Um, and then later we see the Jaffa basically doing the same thing to us. We're like, you guys are young. You're new to this. We can help you. And they're all like, get off my lawn. Yeah. So the, I think both the gold and the Jaffa have the potential for flipping the switch. Fortunately, they never really do. They just become our annoying neighbors. That, yep. You know, sometimes we invite over for a barbecue. Sometimes we yell at them of your dogs on my lawn again. But, you know, yeah. it works out. Now, there are other future enemies coming up. We'll talk about that. But we're kind of talking about in the current fight where we are right now we've got a you know one and a half front battle we've got the gold and then we've got the uh the replicators looming in the background all the little petty annoyances we get there's um sort of an episode coming up for you guys where it's a mystery of who's the bad guy in the fight mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. neither one is going to be a these are major bad guys but it's a matter of identifying of Who's the threat here? Who's the real 
enemy. I think that one's uh, coming up in about two episodes for you on there. But mm. that's an overall story as well, that when we encounter anyone... When we go to another planet, sometimes they view us as a threat. Sometimes we ultimately view them as a threat. Other times it's kind of like, okay, we'll leave each other in peace or we're allies or whatever. But it's always this evaluation of whose side are you on. And that can sometimes change as well. But that's yeah. a little thing. And that's... all of these, I was just saying, all of these are elements of the series that just deepen the the tapestry right. of the show. Um and it works. It works really well overall. Now, the next shift is kind of the same idea, but from the other point of view. And first it was, you know, it's just a gold. Uh, and this one, it's like, well, it's just us now. You know, it's just the Americans, the Canadians, the Americans fighting the fight against the bad guys. That we're the no, ones. No, no, no. Totally the Americans, not the Canadians. Come yes. on. It's the U.S. Americans from the USA doing the good fight that it's just, you know, a handful of Air Force guys and some Marines. Uh, we are the only ones in the fight. The end. Uh, nope. That. This is, again, another little shift that takes a while to grow. But it's a logical growth as well. It's not one of those, hey, mm -hmm. let's throw things out there. Let's try this. It's one of those, well, this is going to have to happen anyways. That we're going to bring in the rest of the world eventually. You know, We're going to start right. with the Russians accidentally we tried not to but you know the russians get in on the game and then we're eventually going to bring in the rest of the world and we got you got you guys got that episode coming up there yeah i'm actually looking forward to that episode because um this begins to answer the question that i asked a little bit ago is where is the money coming from and how do you make this many ships so fast yeah uh is you have to bring in allies and um I this is the episode Disclosure that's upcoming. And um, this is a clip show. I, As I said, I like this clip show. It's got some good stuff. The, the storyline they have going along with it is funny. There's a great bit when they bring in Senator Kinsey. And he asks <laughs> how things are going. And one of the ambassadors goes, they've been telling us stories. We, this can't be true. And he said, you've been talking to them this time and they still don't believe you? Yep. Yeah, but you're right. This is we need help. Uh, we need some money. I'm gonna bring you guys into the mix there. So it's so you know, in that episode they bring in the British, the French, and the Chinese. Yes. And of course the Russians are also at the table. Yeah, they were already um, there, and eventually, as we know through uh, Atlantis, pretty much the rest of the world governments get involved. That's kind of one of the ideas behind Atlantis is that we've got. Germans, we've got Indians, we've got Russians, we've got Scots, we've got people Canadians. from Canadians. Canadians, oh yeah. Uh, people from all over the Don't world. Don't forget the Canadians. Well, yeah, you know, it's one of those, how do you actually tell the Canadians that, uh, you know, every planet we've ever been to looks an awful lot like Canada. Um, and I'm it, imagining the Canadians are like, well, then we're your perfect people to help you out. Absolutely. Because we know Canada or we're better looking than at, anybody. Maybe we're looking at them kind of suspiciously going... You guys been terraforming to make the rest of the galaxy look like Canada? Huh. And they're all, like, looking sheepish. No. No, we don't have our own Stargate we've not told you about. We have our own spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be a twist. Yeah. But, yeah, as we know. But, um, I wonder how the other parts of the world found out. 
I mean, we know in disclosure mm. that's when we tell uh, the three other groups. But, you know, how did the Germans find out? How did the Japanese find out? Did we say, um, okay, hang on, we need a few more dollars. Who's got the money? Okay, let's bring them over here. Hey, uh, we've got a story to tell you. So when and how does the rest of the world find out about this? Yeah. They don't really tell us. It's just when we get now, to the end of Lost City, they're all to, there. When we get to uh, Atlantis in particular, uh, which would be the end of Season 7, beginning of Season 8, and all that stuff, is that the IOC is is now a pretty well-developed thing. Right. Um, and can become a thorn in the side at times. Yeah. Um, but that then becomes... Um, you're right. They don't. We don't hear how all this IOC is developed, but clearly by the time we get there, um, it is. What, what baffles me is, um, given all of this, how... How do they keep this hidden from the population yeah. of the planet when you figure in how all of these different nations, big and small, know about this in some capacity? Well, um, yeah, think that of the is, whole. Is huge. Think of the whole Atlantis expedition that we're taking important people from around the world and sending them to another galaxy. What are they telling their family? I'm going to be gone, and you're not going to hear from me. I can't tell you where I'm going. Okay. I don't know yeah. if they just picked a bunch of single people, how many people are married with children. Well, Whatever. I mean, they, they, they chose... I mean, um, Dr. Weir has her, her boyfriend, who's played by Nareem. Yeah. Uh, not Nareem. Um, and... What were they you know, thinking with that casting? That just makes no uh, sense. Oh, I... Uh, the actor's great. I love the actor. He's he's wonderful. And he plays that character well. But I'm like, come on. We know that guy. Sure, he's not wearing toker clothes, but we know that guy. Yeah. I, Tolan. Tolan. Clothes. To, Tolan, thank you. Oh, you're right. I was thinking of the other guy. You're right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but it's still, he's a recognizable figure, but okay, moving on from that, that's not what we're talking about in there. Yeah. All right. But... And even when you get into uh, universe, I mean, that's even a bigger explanation. We've got political figures who are not necessarily involved with it. They're kids on other planets. And it's like, okay, everybody gets an NDA. They're recruiting via secret video game programs or secret math programs. That there yeah. are so many people known about it. It's kind of like the worst kept secret. And of course, the general populace might know about might not know about it, but it's you're right. It's like this is a real big secret that everyone in the world knows about, except the people who don't know about it. But every government on the world is now spending money on it as well, or all the major governments at least are spending money on it as well. So, yeah, it's one of those we don't talk about this, but yeah, it's a real issue that it's not public knowledge. But good lord, there are so many people that know about this now. Yep. Of course, in the alternate future of 2010, yeah, everybody knows about it. The alternate future past, uh, everyone does know about it. So at some point, yeah, people are going to find that out. That would be an interesting place to go in a new series is um, what if the Stargate becomes public knowledge? Yeah. 
Um, and I don't know if that's where Brad Wright is going when he thinks about things, but that would certainly be... Um, we're kind of at a point where where we, we're, we're at least on the border of plausible deniability. Yeah. Um, that, that something needs to be uh, revealed in that capacity. Yeah, and we got to imagine it's going to be. You know, if we wrote our own storylines, I would definitely kind of make it public knowledge at this point. Yep. I don't know if we'd make it the uh, tourist attraction of, okay, now boarding, gate travel to whatever, but, you know, might be a possibility. Yeah. Who knows? Who but knows? this is this is actually a big build in Season 7, obviously, because we got to bring the rest of the world into it to get us to Atlantis. Not going to talk much about it, so it's all kind of background information that's happening, but once we get to the... Um, the moments of disclosure that's really where this big change comes in yep okay uh, i believe we have one more shift to yeah. talk about here yeah what happens when you eliminate your bad guy it, you know we were just fighting the gold but this is something that even the tokra were talking about getting mad going you're killing off our bad guys you can't do that because they preferred to kind of just manage the bad guys to -hmm. keep them in place to check their growth and we're all about taking them out and eventually you know we do defeat the gold by the end of season 10 the gold are gone as far as we know uh by eight they are effectively eliminated as a major threat they're a, a minor threat at that point so what happens when you defeat one bad guy well another bad guy is going to come in aren't they Pretty much. And who are the bad guys we got to look at after this one? Well, you've got, um, in Season 9, we are introduced to the Ori. We've talked a little bit about that. Yeah. These are the ancient creatures uh, from a different galaxy who um, did not want to uh, stay away. They wanted to get in the mix of things that were happening with the people. And it turns out, of course, that they were basically sucking the energy... Uh, whatever it is, from the lower-planed creatures like ourselves uh, so that they could be bigger, better, stronger, more evil, and such. This, Yeah, this is... Had... Go ahead. No, go ahead. This is... Well, a lot of people, I would say, didn't really like the Ori that much because it was a huge shift in storyline. And I appreciate you got to make a shift in there. But the Ori themselves, to me, are very interesting in that concept of the evil quote ascended uh, mm-hmm. in that the Goa'uld call themselves gods but their followers don't give them power they are just enslaving the bad guys using them and they are worshipped like gods but they're basically just technological forces they don't have any mystical power the I do the Ori, mm-hmm. while we may not directly see them, they do draw power from their followers. They do get stronger. And that's the reason they're expanding, because they want to grow in power. The more planets they convert through their um, priors, the more powerful they get. They're also a technological bad guy as well, because they do have spaceships. But they kind of take this concept of work fighting 
gods, but they're not really to, okay, we're fighting gods, lowercase g, gods, because they do have, they do live on an ascended plane. They do get power from their followers. And we have to not just solve that problem, but we got to convince people that these things that do have power don't have power. Yeah. That these mystical... I would have to say, I was going to say that uh, uh, the... The Ori, personally for me, is is if you're in season eight, you're moving towards the the downfall of the system lords as a, as a galactic wide power. Uh, and if that's going to happen, uh, obviously as a TV series, you need something else to be the big bad. Um, I liked the introduction of the Ori. I thought the introduction of the Ori was uh, actually I thought it was done pretty well yeah. overall, and it makes sense for everything that has happened up until that point in the story for that to be the bad guy. Because throughout all of this, right, season eight, as we're dealing with the culmination of the destruction of the replicators and the downfall of the system lords, the ancients were this like mystical power that was supposed to be supporting us, even if they weren't actively helping us. And we relied on that. And if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have solved these other problems. Right. And then all of a sudden with season nine, we realize, oh, goodness, that power, that force that we kind of relied on. They weren't really helping us, but they weren't hurting us. They, and we needed them to be there. All of a sudden, that power is now the bad guy. Right. Um, that actually worked well for me. I appreciate it. The only thing that I am disappointed with really in the whole story of the Ori is that it lasted uh it wasn't long enough it was too quick uh they only got two seasons um and they did they did well with what they had but i think it wrapped up too quickly i um, would agree with you but I yeah it was a quick build but it was also probably because of networks and powers that be saying we need to wrap this up we can't go on any yeah. further and for that while yeah, it was short. I'm glad they ended it rather than just going, you're yes. canceled and we're not yes. going to resolve. Because, okay, we resolved the the, the Ori storyline. Okay, they gave us a movie to resolve that. They say, we're canceling you, but here's some money. Go make a movie to finish that up. And then, hey, here's some more money to go wrap up all that other stuff. So I appreciate they did wrap it up, even if it was too short. I liked it as well because it, if you think about it, it does fit to what we have been building through the theories series, at least with the uh, the ancients. That yeah, there are ascended beings that do live on another plane. They do have power. They can influence events and control events throughout our galaxy. But they're a mostly benevolent force. Okay, we got one bad guy out of them, Anubis, but he's an anomaly. No, it turns out there was a whole war between the ancients and there were factions. And one faction went to one galaxy, the other faction went to this galaxy, and then the bad guys are coming back. Yeah. So if there's a good guy, there's a bad guy that will match them in power. So yeah, it's a real interesting concept. Was it handled beautifully? That's debatable. Um, there, but, there are a lot of things in that storyline that I liked a lot. Yeah. Um, and frankly, actually, there's very little in that storyline that I did not like. Yeah. Other than the fact that, uh, they had to, for network reasons, wrap it up quickly. 
And I, again, like you, I'm glad they wrapped it up because it would have been even more disappointing if it had the show just ended and that was it. Yeah, completely agree with you on that one. Now, in terms of other enemies, if we get into the other minor enemies and the major enemies in like Atlantis, we've got the Lucian Alliance who are in there picking up the scraps left from the downfall of the, uh, the system Lords. Mm-hmm. We got the mm-hmm. Wraith in the Pegasus galaxy as the dominant enemy. And they are an interesting concept as well. You know, the space yeah. vampires. I was reading someone's concept of um, what would happen if uh, a Goa took a Wraith as a host. Would it work, and mm. how bad would that be? But mm. obviously that didn't happen, But because the gold no. didn't go to other galaxies. But we got the Wraith as a major enemy. We got the minor enemy of the Janai. In, uh, Who are Atl- sort of like, what would happen if we're our own bad guys? Yeah, we're, yeah if uh-huh. we're the bad yep. guys. Because, uh, as we find out, humans were settled in the Pegasus galaxy as well, or apparently. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Asurans... Who are? Oh, oh my God! Why am I drawing a blank on them? Are the Asurans? Are those the the Pegasus replicators? Yeah, they're, you're right. I'm sorry for the brain fade. I was mixing them up with the Ashen. Uh, yeah, they are the replicators, the advanced replicators of the Pegasus galaxy, because the replicators have spread to other galaxies, and they seem to be somewhat not evil as well, but they become a foe. But they are replicators, so yeah, they are that. But their human form replicators are much more right. advanced than Fifth and all the other people we saw there because they've been human form for a very long time. But they are indeed uh, replicators. So, you know, it's what happens when you eliminate one bad guy. Someone else is going to come in. And when you go to another galaxy where you think, oh, thank God we don't have to deal with these guys anymore. Uh, we got a whole other set of bad guys to deal with. So here are my basic thoughts on the Assurans. Um, caveat on this is it has been a long, long time since I've watched those episodes of Atlantis. And I haven't seen the last season of Atlantis. And I know that there are some stuff in there with that. Uh, and so I haven't really seen that story develop. Still. And it will. Uh, and I was disappointed when they were first introduced because I felt that they were looking backwards. Uh, I, it felt like, oh, we need a new bad guy. What was one of our bad guys from the past? Oh, the human form replicators, but we killed all of them. Oh, don't worry, we'll bring them back. And I just kind of felt that that was meh in the storyline. I now, won't. I won't disagree with I you. I am looking forward to seeing those episodes again and and uh, looking at it with a fresher perspective uh, to see what I think now. But... Yeah, I, I won't disagree with you. They do different things with them. It, it is, let's bring in an old bad guy. Uh, we've also got the idea that we're going to have some more Asgard in the Pegasus galaxy. They are uh, similar in concept of, you know, we split and we went this way versus that way. So we get Asgard and the Pegasus galaxy. Not too many of them. So yeah, we do do some revisits, but sometimes I want to bring in some old familiars as well. But um, say the main bad guys we're going to be dealing with throughout 
after season eight when we branch off into Atlantis and then branch off into season eight. Uh, we got the Wraith in the Pegasus galaxy as the dominant evil force, and then the Ori in our galaxy as the dominant evil force. Yep. And then yep. in universe, there's not really so much a bad guy that I can recall. And like you, I will admit, I never completely got through universe. I It was mainly just, you know, how do we get home and, you know, planet to planet type of storyline. But it's a different concept altogether. It's more internal conflicts. It's a very different right. show. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was part of part of its downfall. I mean, it, I think it needed to be a completely uh, visually and tonally different type of show than Atlantis and SG-1. SG-1 and Atlantis are both both have a lot of the same similarities to them they they look a lot more alike they have a lot uh of you know they they they're paired together yeah and i think if you made a new show universe had to be different those two were uh, however, space action shows right universe was a little um, bit more cerebral and it and that was part of the problem is is that not that that's a bad thing it just it was a i think it was actually too much of a shift and most of the stargate fans just felt that jar yeah um and and weren't quite able to to really settle in um and that led to lower ratings, uh, fewer viewers, and subsequently, in two seasons, they canceled the show. And I would be in that crowd as well. It was one of those, what time do I have to give to a TV show? This one, I didn't get completely vested in. I got through the first season, and I watched bits and pieces of the second, but I never finished it, and then it's canceled. Yeah, but and that's what happened to me, basically, too. But that concept right there leads us to not a shift but kind of like okay there is noise there are plans if you you know listen to everything out there there are plans for a new stargate show somewhere somehow now they tried it with origins that was mgm testing the waters and coming up with a see what kind of interest they had of course they had a not very good story it was okay for what it was i it's been like a year or two since i've watched it so yeah. I look at it fondly with, oh, yeah, that was stupid. But um, what would you like out of a new Stargate show? I mean, we still have the 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 Odyssey still out there. We still got Universe. Do we want to bring that in? Um, so. I mean, I got thoughts. I got ideas. You got any? So, so here's, as I mentioned before, I think that... Um, on Earth, opening up the Stargate to general knowledge, uh, such that the world basically knows about this, um, is probably something that that I would be interested in, in pursuing. I think it makes more sense for that than to to try to keep it um, the worst kept secret on the planet. Just make it knowledge. Um, that does mean, if that's the case, then the the entire structure of how the SGC or whatever future body controls the Stargate operates uh, becomes much more clo would have to become much more close to 
what we see in Atlantis, where you have an international coalition operating it. Um, now the question becomes, what happens if you have a significant military threat? Right. Um, and that would be fascinating to see. Um, I yeah. don't know where they would go for sure. Um, so if we had it, our advanced space force. That is, we're building on the concept of what we've established, that we are a dominant space power, not just Earth, but as a unified government, a unified force. We are out there. We've got a major fleet. We are Starfleet. Mm -hmm. We've got, I mean, we know once we start getting in allies, we build our resources, we have a fleet. The question is, who becomes the bad guy? Now, I've had my ideas. Uh, One thought that occurred to me is, if we've done this twice before, or three times if you think about it, of that they left and went to another galaxy. So we have the ancients who are from another galaxy. We've got the Asgard who went to another galaxy. We've got the mm-hmm. the replicators who've gone to another galaxy. What if the gold did that? The gold were a Milky Way problem. They were, did not go outside the galaxy, but they've been around for a long time. Now, one pantheon I thought they never built on enough was the Greek or Roman pantheons. Sure, we got uh, Kronos was introduced, and they had throw out a few here and there. But we've got Pelops. Come on, exactly. But <laughs> Zeus. What if Zeus was a Gaul who left and went to another galaxy? With his group, so mm. we've got Zeus, we've got Apollo, we've got all the other ones whose names I are I've gone for now. And what if they come back and say, "Hey, we lost um, communication with our buddies. You know, we had a a yearly conversation, but we've lost. So let's go see what happens." I, oh my God! Oh my me! They wiped everyone. Well, that's just not right. And they've been on their own track. They've got their own advancements. Yes, it's rehashing an enemy. I get that. That happens. It happens with all the shows on there. But it could be a possibility. It fits within stuff they've already done. I don't know if we just want to revisit a gold storyline, but it would be a, you know, we are an equal force to them now. Not a we're building up to them, but they come back with their ships, you go, bring it on. And then it just becomes... You know, a major, I'll become Star Trek, but with Stargates. But we got to have Stargates in it, too. So, I don't know. It was just a thought I had. So, I don't know. There, there's something that, that, that I, it kind of appeals to me. And at the same time, uh, I'm not sure Zeus is the right one. Yeah, he's just a guy throughout. And I don't know who that one would be. Um, I think I would like to see something that... That becomes intergalactic. Yeah. Um, you know, so actually, now that would be fascinating. You mentioned it earlier. What would happen if a Guawuld infested a wraith? Uh huh. Um, that might be a really fascinating uh, bad guy. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm brainstorming here. Um, one of the things that that I'm struggling with is that in terms of the epic quality of the bad guys of SG one in particular, it ramped up, it ramped up, it ramped up and it 
culminated with like actual higher plane divine goddess like beings and they finally beat them yeah we, well where do you go from there <laughs> yeah we defeated the gods both you know earth gods and the ones we didn't know about now what and and for me then i i'm wondering if the next spot might be um bringing it down a little bit closer to home so that the bad guys uh cease to be um you know creatures who call themselves gods necessarily and they're just much more they're Klingons closer to home yeah um so this brings maybe, me maybe like, I'm thinking like like the NID we didn't even talk about the NID much oh, yeah, in this episode true. but uh the NID was a human based system that was an antagonist um and that got developed over the years but is that the bad guy in a new series? Well, let uh, me that that antagonistic element within us. Let me pitch another idea to you, because okay. you know we are the movers and shakers. We are the powers that be. We have complete influence about over the next Stargate. Absolutely. Let's talk Stargate Infinity. Now, you've seen a couple. I've seen a couple. It's terrible. True. But the concept is actually pretty good. Now, I will say I brought up this discussion on on a Reddit forum. I got a little traction on there, and I accidentally uh, brought Joseph Malazzi into the conversation. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. I summoned him, and he appeared. Um, but the idea behind Infinity, for those of you who haven't watched, let's forget the show. Let's take the concept. There's a Stargate team. It consists of humans and aliens. We have a new enemy and another alien force. They're just bad guys. They're not ghouls. They're not ascended beings. They're just evil bad guys. They're Klingons. Or in the show, they're the Tlacan. Fine. We've got villains. In the concept of Stargate Infinity, there's a mole in Stargate Command who frames our team for conspiring with the enemy. They are arrested, imprisoned, proclaim their innocence, escape, escape through the Stargate. They go out meeting new races and trying to find the proof, prove their innocence. They are effectively the A-team in Stargate format. Mm -hmm. Now, that concept, to me, could work. Because it's a renegade team. Earth is the enemy. Sort of. We've got allies back on Earth, but we've got enemies on Earth. Uh, the enemy who framed us is a shapeshifter. We've got the enemies in the galaxies who's trying to shut us down to keep the truth from coming out. Doesn't have to be the giant lizards of the Tlacan, uh, the Sheftu, who is the uh, shapeshifter. That could work. We've seen Odo and Stargate. It could work, theoretically, as a concept to me. And I actually had a few people go, you know, that's not a bad idea. Because while Infinity wasn't great at its core of the A-team in space as a Stargate team, you know, framed for crimes they didn't commit, trying to prove their innocence and helping people, to me is a possible workable show. Yeah. Yeah. The complaints I was getting was, dude, this would cost way too much money because it's not, we exist on this set. It's, we're going from planet to planet. 
and there's need a lot of money behind it and that's was well, it's just money I'm sure we can come up with something so the 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 if the a team can do it in the 80s we can do it in the 2020s yeah of course that's what i thought um yeah. You know, so that's certainly uh, and we got also computers you and stuff. Draw on things like Sanctuary, which uh, built most of their sets via CG. Yeah. Um, oh, look at the Mandalorian, which was they took advantage of this new tech, the uh, the volume set, which is basically running a video game engine to generate scenery that was fully interactive. Yeah. That as yeah. the actors moved, the scenery shifted. And basically a virtual 3D set that watching the show, you didn't know it wasn't real the way they were interacting with it. I think the tech personally exists out there now. we got to have the money to do it. Well, that's just my right. idea. But as I said, I did drag Joseph Malazzi into it, so he saw my idea. So, you know, the that idea of... that That's also another thing. It's like... Um, and you kind of got this with the, with Universe, where you know you have the SGC and their flagship team, and then you have Atlantis and their flagship team, and all of this stuff. And then when you get to Universe, they they bring it down and says, "Well, let's take our heroes and throw them into a place where they don't have access to all of this other stuff, and they have to survive." Yeah, uh, that didn't last very long. They didn't get a chance to really uh, uh, really develop that. Um, your idea of taking a team and throwing it out there in the similar manner and saying, now you're on your own. Earth is the problem, uh, or at least is a problem. Um, the, the tripping up point that I see is if this is a show that has longevity. Yeah. Um, How long can you, you know, keep if, that up? If you go, you can hold that together for three or four years. After about that, um, it's going to, well, this is based on other sto stories that have done this. Uh, the We start to lose credibility in their capacity to actually maintain that tension. I agree. Yeah. Um, it's and, a starting point. And that's point. Where, where the we would need to think about. Um, yeah. Yes, but unfortunately, we don't work for MGM, and they're not going to look to us for storylines. So That is a true statement. Maybe... They're going to hear this. Maybe. I don't know. But it was just an idea I had. So I don't yeah. know what they're working on. All we know from the chatter out there is they do want to continue the storyline. And it's it's close. We'll see. It though. is. There's a lot of possibilities. And I just hope we like it when it comes out. Well, So here's what's exciting for me on this. Is that Brent and I are in season six. Coming, We're nearing the end-ish yeah. of season six. Um and so we've got seven, eight, nine, ten. That's roughly two years of our time. And then we've got um, one, two, three, four and a half years. So we've got about five, six years, probably six years or so of content to continue to produce to finish up the series as it is. Um, the way things are looking right now, because even now they're still in idea stage from MGM's point of view. Um you know, so it looks like if we prognosticate this, that that show, whatever it is, assuming it comes out, will come out near-ish the time when we're ready to start watching it. 
There is a darn good possibility of that. Um, which is exciting for me. Um, and on some level, I, I want it like tomorrow. Yeah. And on another level, I, I kind of want it to be that five years out. Um, because... You want to finish all this before you get into that. Yes. Otherwise, you need you to know. start a fourth podcast. Oh, for crying out loud, David. <laughs> I'll do it with you. <laughs> well, I have no doubt about that. <laughs> Walking through the Stargate. The new stuff that we can't tell Brent about because he hasn't finished the old stuff yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of the pro my problem, is that I haven't finished the old stuff yet. <laughs> oh, you've finished enough. You've at least finished SG-1. <laughs> that is true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, I think that about wraps us up for the stuff we wanted to talk about. You got any final words? Uh, only the words that say, "Let us know what you think." Where did we? What did we miss? What? Uh, uh, what other ideas do you have? I'm How sure would we missed you a lot. Design the 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 new series. Where where would you uh, put your tonal shifts there and all that stuff? So, do all that stuff at social medias, the emails, all of that stuff. Absolutely. All right. So, with all of that, then I'm going to say I'm Zach. And I'm David. This has been The Other Side of the Gate, a Walking Through the Stargate podcast. See you next time. Bye. We have got the best jobs in the world, don't we? I'm going to hit the shower. I'm going to find the doctor. We are indeed suitably employed. Yeah, it was a good day.